You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast from the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Mades. Let the good vibes just wash over you. What a night. What a night at Pepsi Center. What a night for the Denver Nuggets. A dominant performance, maybe the best performance, the best single game performance of the season and quite possibly of the Nikola Jokic, Michael Malone, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray era. An absolutely dominant performance in a pivotal game five that kind of signals that the Nuggets are back. This looked like the best version of the Nuggets. This looked like the Nuggets that that earned the two seed for most of the season. In fact, that might have even looked like a better version of that team. An impressive win for the Nuggets. 108-90 win in Game 5 that actually wasn't as close as that as that score kind of indicates. The Nuggets were up at one point in the fourth quarter by 27 points, 90-63, two minutes into the fourth quarter. It was curtains. Today's episode of the Locked on Nuggets podcast. If you're new to the show, it's the Locked on Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked on NBA Network. I am your host, Adam Matas from DenverStiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can check out all of the Locked On podcasts. Football, Locked On Broncos, Cody Rourke's got you. Rockies, Jenna Garcia's got you. I'm, of course, hosting you here for the for the Nuggets. And today's episode of the show is going to be on uh, the, the game. Just going to be game notes. Uh, there's so much to get into and so many. <laughs> it's almost all positive. You would be hard-pressed to, to find the negative aspects of this game. This was as complete of a game from the Denver Nuggets as you will find. Um, and, and it truly, truly was an encouraging one, I think, if you're a Nuggets fan, for not just the Nuggets, um, their ability to close out this series. I think they have to be overwhelming favorites at this uh, at this moment. But it, it was also just an encouraging one for what this team can become this season in this playoffs and also going forward. It, it, there was so many players that stepped up and made big, uh, big moves, and including Michael Malone. I'm going to talk about him, an unsung hero of this series so far. I think in his playoff debut, he might be the player, the single player that that or single person that has looked the best through all this. So let's jump, let's dive right into this one. The start the game, Nikola Jokic got a dunk. It's you know you know it's going to be a big night then. Um, he had, I think, a missed easy shot that he it probably expected to make, and the Spurs opened up with a little bit of a lead, and I think he was like, okay, enough of this, enough messing around, we're going for the dunk, and it got the crowd going. Um, this was a great crowd. We had been waiting for the Nuggets to have a big first quarter, um, especially at home in the playoffs, so that that crowd can really just feed off of it, and this was the first time, and the, the crowd did a great job of responding to it. I think Jamal Murray's first three was an important one. Uh, he So Jokic gets a, a bucket. Jamal Murray hits a three. And not big as in it was like big for the momentum. I don't. I, I think Denver was – the way they came out, the game plan, everything that about them, I think they were going to win this game. There was a huge margin for error. But what I mean is Jamal Murray comes off of uh, – Jokic has the ball in the post. Jok, uh, Murray's moving his feet um, around the perimeter, catches the ball and goes right up into a shot as Derek White is closing out on him. It was a quick trigger one. I think – the difference between Jamal Murray, where he's at right now, and players like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard are one of the big re- uh, differences, is they're able to take that shot with confidence um, You know, really, really quickly. You think about a defender... You don't want to like jump at every shot fake, and you don't you don't want to be chest to chest because then you're you it's you give up. Uh, it's harder to contain when you're pushed that far out. Well, if Murray can, one of the things I think he's going to have to do 
and I don't think you can do this in one offseason, but over the next couple offseasons is sort of speed up his shooting and, and find the moments in a game when he can get that shot off quickly. He hits his first one like that, and um, it, it just kind of shows you how unguardable the Nuggets can be uh, when players elevate their game just a little bit. Um, one, one play later, he was gun shy. Uh, he had a similar moment. He kind of like went into it and, and he passed on it. I think it was smart. Um, it was smart for him not to gun. You want to kind of let the offense get, get the ball popping, get the ball moving. And the Nuggets were able to do that. But nonetheless, it was another one of those where it's like, man, two, three, four years from now, if he can start hitting those, the Nuggets are going to have a one, two punch that'll rival anybody's. Um, the Nuggets got another five-second call out of a timeout, so they're playing good basketball. It's 11-11, to 11, and you know both teams kind of just filling each other out. Nuggets were looking good, but weren't able to pull away. Popovich calls a timeout. They have the ball on the sideline, and the Nuggets force a five-second call. This is the second one in two games. These are huge. Um, I think it's the third one of the series. These are huge for Denver um, to be able to do that. The ball after that, after that timeout, it's 11-11, Spurs ball, five-second call, Denver gets the ball. The next five minutes were absolutely brilliant. The ball was popping. I haven't said that nearly enough this season, but because quite frankly, it hasn't been popping um, like it has been in maybe in previous seasons and you know, maybe in moments. But this was the ball was consistently popping in this one, and it was just some beautiful basketball. It was patient. They were finding the open guy. And they, they just the process of it. The results were phenomenal, but the results sometimes can be misleading. This was great basketball pro, uh, process, and it shows a little bit in stats like this. They were five of twelve from the three point line in the first quarter, which is great. But they were getting great looks, not just great as in open, but great as in the ball was going to the guy that it was supposed to go to in the rhythm that they were supposed to. I always talk about the rhythm of a shot as important as the openness of it. Um, the rhythm shots that they were getting were so great, but I think it's because they were finding the, the guy that they were supposed to. Um, Jamal Murray is definitely, I talked about this yesterday that maybe, or maybe two, two episodes ago, maybe he's starting to drag his defender a little bit more to the baseline. I really keyed in on it today. And I think he absolutely is taking those extra steps, especially on side pick and rolls, those extra steps away, not... Usually, you know, you get a, a pick and roll at the elbow or, or above the, the elbow and you kind of turn that tight. You can snake it all the way back to the other side or you can just kind of turn it tight, step into an elbow pull-up jumper. I mentioned that Derek White's used his length and his defense to contest those from behind. Jamal Murray's really throwing the ball out and I'll have some clips, clips on denverstiffs.com and my deep dive for tomorrow. This game was so good, we have to do a deep dive on it. Uh, he's really throwing that ball out to the sideline and what it does, it does two things. One, it, it creates more space from the trailing defender, so in this case Derek White, so that he can't contest that pull-up jumper if he goes. But the other thing it does, the way the Spurs are guarding them, they're dropping LaMarcus Aldridge so far. They play him kind of like they played Jokic a lot last year, in large part because Aldridge is not super mobile um, defensively, but also because they're trying to lure you into taking those mid-range shots and because players like Derek White are so good at contesting from behind that they can get away with it. Well, because he, Aldridge is sinking, the other thing it does is it drags Aldridge further away from standing right in the restricted area, right in the paint. It drags him sometimes all the way to the block or a little bit outside even. And I think that's a single biggest reason the Nuggets have been able to get that pocket pass to Jokic. Um, he talked about that after the game. There's more space for him. He's getting those shots on the roll. Uh, I, I think it has a lot to do with how Jamal Murray is coming off those screens and dragging the defense out. So I last game, I thought maybe it's just a coincidence. This game, I don't think so anymore. Um, 
Plumley falling for Aldridge shot fakes. This is the next note I have in my notebook here. Um, it, it's really, it's crazy. Plumley not the series for him. He hasn't been great, but, and as to be expected, somebody said, somebody wrote me on Twitter, do you think he's just not a great playoff player? I said, no, I don't think that's it. But the playoffs, first of all, you play your top eight guys a lot anyway. You play your top five guys a lot. As as Jokic is showing, he's playing like 40 minutes, on pace to play 40 minutes a night in these in, in, in close games. But so there's not a lot of minutes for backup players anyway to begin with, but there's especially not a lot of minutes for backup bigs and, and for two center lineups. I think those lineups are great. So somebody asked me, does that mean his value is not good? There, Mason Plumlee is one of the probably five most important players in terms of getting the Nuggets the, to 54 wins this season. He was very important throughout the regular season. In the postseason, I'm not surprised that his role has been so reduced, um, but it's I don't think it's just because he's played so poorly. I think it has more to do with just the nature of how teams play a little bit smaller and smaller rotations. But biting on the on on the Aldridge pump fake, I, I've talked about this before. You got to play positional defense defense against Aldridge. You can't let him get to his spots, and you certainly can't expect that you're going to block his shots. His fall away, he releases it from about eight feet in the air because he's seven footer with with a really high release. You can't block it. What you have to do is you have to force him to not be able to pivot right into the spot he wants. You got to work hard early to push him out of his zones, and you've got to as he makes his move and turns, you've got to kind of force him to take a step uh, away from the footwork that he wants and Mason just hasn't done a good job of that I guess if there's one thing you can talk about that hasn't been great um, that that would be it six turnovers in the first quarter for the Nuggets that was another weak spot Jokic had three of them um, Denver could have been up by even more. Um, but there was the, the number one story of this game. I, I think there's two Jamal Murray, who I'm going to talk a lot about. This was a fantastic game from him. Um, so I'm going to talk a lot about him here in just a moment, but also the defense, there was some fantastic defense being played and the adjustment of putting Torrey Craig in the starting lineup, I think has had this impact. It's allowed Gary Harris to guard Derek White and Gary Harris's defense in this. I mean, I this is the best defense I've ever seen from him. We've always known he's a good defender. But the ability to just completely cancel out one player, especially such an important player to what the Spurs try to do, has been incredible. Derek White had a nightmare today that he's going to wake up from tomorrow and, and realize um, that this was real. This really happened. And Gary Harris, you know, I saw one of my colleagues, you know, Today, really saying like, oh, Derek White, he's so overrated. I saw, I don't, I think Derek White's really good. I think he's as good as he's shown in those early games. But I also think, you know, taking it to Jamal Murray, but I also think that Gary Harris is that good of, of sort of just a stopper, especially a stopper against that type of player. You know, Derek White has flaws. He can't shoot great. Um, he doesn't go to his left well. When you can key in and just stay in front, Gary Harris is so strong. He's so quick. His instincts defensively are so good. He doesn't foul. Um, I, I think this has more to do with Gary Harris and how great he has been on defense on defense last two games than anything um, Monte Morris, surprise, surprise, he hits a buzzer to end the first quarter, and it kind of capped off what was a beautiful quarter for the Denver Nuggets. Turns out not their best of the game. In fact, it might have even been their third best quarter of the game, but it was an absolutely brilliant one. 26 to 19, they take the lead. Um, Gary Harris had eight, including two threes. He, he just was absolutely fantastic. Second unit started to slip a little bit, especially in that second quarter. The lead got cut to three. Could have been down to two. Pirtle missed a free throw. And Malone immediately goes to to Jokic. And I 
I, I mentioned this in the lead and Malone has been so good in this series. The team has the Nuggets have been absolutely pre- prepared for what the Spurs are trying to do. I think the adjustment of, of taking Barton out of the starting lineup and not just out of the starting lineup but reducing his minutes and realizing this isn't, you know, what 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 they need is Craig on the court a lot more. I think that was really really smart. Um, but also just his willingness to go to Jokic and play him. He, he said this when I wrote him into the ground this game, and Jokic has responded to that. But that's what you have to do. Um, win or lose, I think you have to play through your best player, and you have to just kind of rely on them. And if Jokic can't handle it, first of all, Jokic handled it phenomenally last couple games playing really high minutes. Um, but if he can't, that's a lesson for him. You know, Some of these things, your key players have to be put in position to sort of you have to rely on them because if they can handle it, it takes them to another level. And if they can't, it gives them something in the offseason to realize. They need to know how much it takes to win. And so I love that with 10 minutes and 30 seconds left in the second quarter, Malone puts Jokic back in. It was only like a two-minute rest he got. Um, and Malone goes right back to him, and, and he performs. I thought Will Barton was great in this game. He had seven points and two assists in the second quarter alone. And just like it was in the last game, Nuggets starters, uh, you know, actually in the last game, the Nuggets starters got off to a terrible start. But that second unit being able to extend the lead um, is so key. And I say second unit, it's really a mixed unit, but but one featuring Barton. The ability to extend the lead and kind of get the rally going again, that to me, that's so important. The Denver's bench is one of the things that makes them such a good team. Jakob Pertl got called for an illegal screen that saw Gary Harris get a Charlie horse. And we laughed earlier in the series when Malone kind of made a big fuss about that specific thing. I watched it on replay and it was a big time illegal screen. I, I didn't notice it live. Um, and even if you watch the play when I was watching it a second time and not really keyed in on him, just watching the rest of the play, I didn't notice it then. But when you slow it down or even when you just go back and watch it with an eye on what he's doing, he sticks that knee out quite a bit. I don't think it's dirty by any means. Players do this kind of stuff all the time. But it's smart of a team to kind of key in on a very specific thing like that because it made a difference. Um, gives him the foul call, which is big, and, and, and also just kind of takes away – it makes him second guess every time he tries to stick that leg out. Murray did a really great job of attacking in this game, but staying under the uh, under control. Um, Murray played a near perfect game. I, I really mean this was one of my favorite Jamal Murray games I've ever watched, and it's a the the fact that he has had two bounce back games the way that he has after that game three speaks to his character, his um, his will. Uh, his willingness to get better. I mean, I'm I'm so I, as down as I was on him after Game Three, he has responded as well as you could have hoped, and and in the ways that you could have hoped. So Derek White, a great defender, Jamal Murray continued to attack him, but it wasn't forcing the ball. There was moments where Derek White stuck him, and and Jamal Murray did a good job of just kind of pivoting out of it and keeping the offense going. But there was a couple possessions in this one where he attacked, kept his dribble, um, and then was able to maybe not on his first move, but his second move, kind of get to the rim. And then in that second quarter, White picked up three fouls in about three minutes. And a lot of that was Jamal Murray's doing, especially that last one. And the game was probably over right then and there. I think the Nuggets had a 12-point lead when Derek White went to the bench with his third foul. And even though Denver didn't necessarily make an enormous run to end the second quarter after he got fouled, the fact that White had to come back in and play with foul trouble in the second half, it felt like the Nuggets knew 
that the game, not the game was over, but that the things had swung in their direction so hard for that. I mean, Derek White's not the best player on the Spurs, but I do think he's the most important one. As I wrote about today on Denver Stiffs, he is at the heart of the two most important matchups, guarding Jamal Murray and being defended by Gary Harris, trying to get into the paint offensively, but trying to do so against Gary Harris. So when he went out, I thought all of the Nuggets kind of, you know, started licking their chops like, oh man, what are they going to do now? Just a bunch of mid-range pull-ups by DeRozan, which is what happened. Um, the Nuggets were rolling. The crowd was into it. This is exactly what you wanted with the home crowd. Denver has a great home court advantage that through the first two games of this playoffs, I don't think they had flexed or demonstrated. But when you get that kind of momentum, the Nuggets were just riding a wave. Um, there was a fair amount of 5-1 pick and roll in this game, which... I think there's been less than I would like to see. Um, the Nuggets run that inverted 5-1 pick and roll. So typically the big sets the screen for the point guard. The Nuggets like to do this. And it's not all the time. It's usually in transition. Jamal Murray, I think, is very good at picking spots when to do it. Malone, after the game, said that the Nuggets didn't, they called fewer plays than usual. And I think one of the things that they do when they call fewer plays is just look for opportunities, especially in transition, for Jamal to set that screen on Jokic as the ball handler. And they had a couple really nice ones. So there was a handful of those. Monte Morris even ran it a couple times. Um, so there was there were some really nice moments of that in this game. And I, I'm, I'm glad to see it. Derek White to start the second half. So the Nuggets go up big. I think they were up 15 points at one point in that first half and could have could have gone up even more. Like two minutes to go, Denver, all the momentum. They're up 15. You thought, man, they could put this game away in the first half. But instead, they, they let the Spurs cut it, I think, to 11 at the half. I might be off by a point or two. Um, so you think, okay, now the third quarter... You're up 11. If the Spurs can make a run and cut it to 6, it feels like, oh, no, now it's anybody's game. If the Nuggets can make a run and push it to 15, 16, they, they could be sitting pretty comfy. Well, they didn't just push it to that. They pushed it and blew the doors off of the can. White Derek White picked up his fourth foul one minute into the third quarter. Um, I think Jokic drew the foul on him, and you could feel the crowd. You could feel just like, oh, man, that's it. This is the haymaker. This is like in a boxing match when the, the boxer is stunned but still on his feet not able to protect himself. That's what this moment was. Derek White has to go to the bench. He's such an X factor. Now Jamal Murray gets to eat. Now the Nuggets get to kind of attack without that one guy who can kind of stop dribble penetration. Um, Murray immediately drained a three. That, as in the exact possession following Derek White walking to the bench. And he drains it right in front of the Spurs bench. And I don't think, he didn't do anything to like taunt or anything like that. But you know he knew like that was... It, it was kind of sending a message. Here's what's about to happen to you guys now that you don't have the guy that can, you know, guard the perimeter. Um, the route was on pretty pretty soon. Um, the Nuggets go up 20. I think uh, less than three minutes into the third quarter, the Nuggets are up 20. Jamal Murray. So now it's time to talk about him. <clears throat> in addition to knocking down shots, in addition to being sort of patient at attacking the rim. I thought this was one of the best jobs I've seen of him running the offense. And he ran it without being robotic. One of the things I've talked about, and maybe it was because the Nuggets called fewer plays, um, I would love to sort of know what it is that allows Malone to step back sometimes with the offense. Maybe it's the fact that they got off to such a hot start that he didn't feel he needed to over-orchestrate. But in this game... There was a lot of possessions. It's going to be the key that I write on the, the key thing that I write on, on at Denver Stiffs tomorrow. Um, Jamal Murray did a great job of running the play, getting the team into an offense. But if there was if the if the Spurs tried to jump the action, if they kind of knew which way he was trying to go, he was great at countering them. So one position I'm possession I'm thinking of in particular, the Nuggets are running one of those wedge actions for Jokic trying to get him the ball 
cutting across the the paint uh, in the post. So you 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 run that cross screen for him. Well, the ball call the play called for Jamal Murray to reverse the ball over to uh, Paul Millsap or to dribble over there so he can get post entry. Usually it's the pass. Patty Mills jumps him to that side, and so Jamal Murray attacks the paint. As he attacks, LaMarcus Aldridge has to step up. Everybody has to blow their assignments because they were anticipating a play being run. And rather than try to force a shot at that moment, because Jamal Murray did what he had to do, he countered, you know, he took what the defense gave him. But rather than force up a floater or something like that going off script, he just realized that what he had done had forced a rotation. He gets the ball back to Millsap, and Millsap drains a three. And it was just one of those plays where it's like, that's it. That's what being a point guard, that's what that's the leap offensively Murray has to make. And he made it in this game um, knowing when to run the offense, knowing when not to, but also being in control when you go off script. It was a, it was a huge play, in my opinion, for the Denver Nuggets. And, and it was indicative of the type of play he had this whole game. And I think it was that three that put Denver up 20, and the, the route was on after that. Just because the route was on doesn't mean I'm going to stop talking about it. Jamal Murray cooking in that quarter. He had 10 points in the third quarter. Um, the Nuggets pushed the lead all the way up to 28. Uh, Jokic in this game, I've talked about how he's kind of figured out Jakob Pertl. Jakob Pertl is really good. He's become less effective against Jokic, I think, as the series has gone on. And one of the things he's really done a good job of is just getting beating him off the dribble, especially on like face-up moves. I think facing up Pertl is probably the way to go rather than try to back him down. In fact... A couple of the turnovers that Jokic got in this game were from trying to back him down too long. Five, six dribbles. Um, that's just too much. And in, in today's NBA, I know he's a great passer, but sometimes you got to be a little bit quicker, I think, in the post. But for the most part, he did a great job of attacking him, forcing the defense, getting the ball where it was supposed to go. Would have had a triple-double had he played the fourth quarter, even just a couple minutes. That's how that's how dominant he was. I was kind of bummed for it. Now I think Jokic needs 15 assists. If, if they close out in game six, Jokic would need 15 assists in order for um, him to average a triple-double. So don't think it's going to happen. If it goes seven, then, of course, 12 and a half each game, that works. Um, when Denver keeps the ball in front of them defensively, their defense is A+. Plus. I, I've talked about this before. Jokic is not a rim deterrent. He does a very good job, I think, defensively. And in these playoffs, he has been fantastic defensively. So good defensively. Um, but he's never going to be a guy that like like an Embiid or a Rudy Gobert where guys are afraid to go in the rim because they're going to get their shot blocked. He doesn't block a ton of shots. He forces you away maybe from where you want to go. But his in order to be successful at that, the guards on, in, on Denver's team now and going forward have to be able to contain dribble penetration. Well, Denver locked in, and especially with Derek White out of the game, he's their best guy at sort of getting into the paint. So now you rely on Bryn Forbes, who can't do that very well. Uh, you rely on Patty Mills, who who can, but he's also just less of a player and less of impactful at that. So when Denver's guards were able to keep the ball out out of the paint and in front of them, um, Denver's rotations on the backside were on point, and and Denver's defense just completely took over uh, in that that third quarter. It's crazy, but the Spurs went on an 8-0 run late in the third, and I look up thinking, oh man, here come the Spurs. The Nuggets are still up 20. That that's how big of a, a lead they had that. An 8-0 run almost made no dent into Denver's lead. Jokic late in the quarter makes a, goes to the free throw line. He gets the loudest MVP chance to date. It's funny, the MVP chant for Jokic, this is the first year the crowd has sort of picked up on it, but they've always been a little bit uneven. Like, I would say they've always been about 75% or worse. Some of the MVP chants have been like one section of the arena, but not everybody else. Some of them have just been kind of 
uh, half-hearted or whatever. Tonight, it was an enormous, it was such a loud MVP chant raining down on him, and it was everybody in the building. It was such a cool moment. I mean, that was, that to me, that was the moment, um, I'll, I'll remember that moment, I think, for quite a long time. And then back-to-back three-pointers, so maybe, maybe he was feeling it because of how loud and how intense the MVP chants were from everybody in the arena. He ends the quarter with back-to-back three-pointers. Oh, the crowd went wild. As Marlo says, pandemonium at Pepsi Center. The Nuggets up 85-63 to to end the quarter, and it was just, um, that capped off the most beautiful stretch of basketball. Actually, there was two minutes in the fourth quarter. Bart, well, uh, Malik Beasley opens it with a three-pointer. Pop called a rage timeout, and then Barton hit a couple buckets. Nine, Nuggets went up 90-63, to and from that on, from that point on, it was just over. One, one little note in the fourth. I didn't re-watch the whole fourth quarter, but I did have this note because I thought it was important. Monte Morris guarded Derek White. Derek White was having such a bad game. I think Pop threw him back out there as in a... Try to get your rhythm, um, you know, going into next game, try, we're going to need you to so try to get your rhythm. Monte Morris guarded him straight up and blocked his shot. And you could kind of see Derek White's soul leave his body at that moment because he just looks so dejected and so, like, um, you know, overwhelmed. Um, he'll bounce back, no doubt. I, I, I think game six, he's going to be the hungriest guy in the arena. He's going to be at home. He'll probably get a favorable whistle. But Denver, I think, did a great job over these last two games of kind of showing we can guard you and we can score against you. And, and I think more than anything, it was important to kind of make that point. Nuggets won the boards tonight, which they had not done in the series. Denver, great uh, rebounding team. I think a lot of the rebounding, it has as much to do with getting the ball popping as anything. Um, a lot of people ask me that there's teams that just kind of send big bruisers to the rim. There's teams with great rebounding guards. Denver has great rebounding guards, but there's teams that that's how they do it. And then there's teams like even Portland when they had Nurkic. Nurkic, you can't move him off. Once he gets his spot, he's so big and strong, Steven Adams this way as well, that if he gets positioned down in the restricted area, you just have to hope the ball bounces somewhere else. Um, the Nuggets aren't like that. Jokic a little bit like that, um, but for the most part, what makes them a great offensive rebounding team and a great rebounding team in general is they are able offensively to get the ball moving and to get guys flying around. When you get to stand still and watch it play un- unfold and then box out your guy, it's easy to box out your guy. It's easy to find your guy. It's easy to anticipate when the shot's going up so you know. When the ball's popping and you're moving it left side to side, inside, outside, and it's flying around the arc everybody's scrambling and nobody's ready and thinking about the rebound until the shot goes up. And then everybody, it's like musical chairs. Then everybody's got to identify a guy and box out. Well, the ball was popping tonight. So it was no surprise to me that the Nuggets were able to own the boards the way that they did. Um, they also won the first quarter, which we've talked about they have not been able to do. And they had six guys in double figures. If, if you laid out the things that you wanted to see happen in this game, those three would be very, very high on the list of things Denver needed to accomplish. Um, I talked about what a great game it was from Jamal Murray. I have to mention this other, to me at least, extremely positive thing. And that is that I thought Jamal Murray in his post-game press conference today, tonight seemed really mature. Um, maybe more mature than I had seen him. And I, I talked about after game two, Jamal Murray took to the podium and I thought he strutted a little bit. Um, in a way that didn't sit right with me, because as I talked about, in games one and two, all the way up until the fourth quarter of game two, I thought Jamal Murray got absolutely dominated. He goes for 21 in the fourth, and it was a great performance. It's a testament to his skill level. I thought he got a little cocky and and strutted and just kind of didn't, maybe wasn't confronted with the fact that that he was actually being outplayed. And then, of course, the next game was game three, the most dominant lopsided performance of the series. Um, Well, in this one... I thought he seemed so poised, mature, and and just 
like he understood both the situation that he was playing from behind. He was making up for lost ground in this series, um, but also just sort of an understanding that, you know, this isn't just about clowning. He loves to do the, uh, to clown on other teams. He loves to trash talk. He likes to play with emotion. And I think those things can mostly be good, but he seemed to understand the weight of it. And I was just so impressive. He, he seemed reflective. He talked about what he had learned. Somebody tried to trip him up and say, oh, what did you learn from, you know, this game or the last two games? And he said something like, actually, I feel like I've learned something every game of this series. And that, to me, that's just music to my ears. I think players that are reflective are, are, have the best chance of sort of growing um, in the series. And he just crossed me as that. And then not taking this battle with, with uh, Derek White personally. Somebody asked him about that, like, do you take it personally? And he did a great answer. It was genuine. He said, no, I can't. He said, he's had some great games, and I've had some awful ones. Again, this is him sort of – Jamal Murray's such a cocky guy that for him to sort of admit this, to me that's a sign that he actually understands and and actually is is growing from those moments. And he said – but, but – um, but for him, it wasn't just about that matchup. It was, I'm focused on the things that are going to make us win, which are not just, can I outplay Derek White? It was all the other, he mentioned all the other little things, the rebounding, you know, um, the closing out, all that stuff. To me, it was such a great answer and it came from a real place. And so I was just, I, I was so, in a weird way, I was so proud of Jamal Murray and so impressed with him in that press conference. And so much so that I felt like it was worth, worth talking about and mentioning here. Um... It feels to me like he has grown up in the series, but it also feels to me, and Malone has talked about this, I think the Denver Nuggets have grown up a lot in the series. When people called the Nuggets frauds coming into this, and they talked about how the inexperience of this team, um, and oh, they're schemable and all this stuff, as annoying as those takes are, there's always a kernel of truth to them. Now, were they overstated? I think so. And look, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. The Nuggets need to close out, but the Nuggets are in the driver's seat now. Um, but I think that there was that kernel of truth to it that that was undeniable. But what I don't think people have accounted for, and, the, and I think the thing that Nuggets fans have taken so personally is that, number one, this team is damn talented. They are incredible. They have a lot of guys on this team that can fill it up. A lot of the guys on this team that are smart and, and can make adjustments. But the thing that I don't think people outside of Denver really know about this team, truly know about this team, is that they actually have quite a bit of mental toughness. And I don't think, it, it was reasonable to think that a team that got down two games to one and lost game three the way that the Nuggets did, and then fall behind in the first quarter of game four the way that the Nuggets did, I think it's reasonable to say, yeah, a young team, eighth youngest team in, in playoff history, they're going to fold. Well, this Nuggets team has had a lot of resolve and I think that they needed, if this series, if I could draw up how this series would go, the perfect way for this series to go, it would be exactly how it has, and then, you know, a dominant game six, so hopefully they can cap it off, but going, facing real adversity early on in their playoff career, real adversity in a series that made them kind of look internally, um, I think that's what's happened to the Denver Nuggets over this series, and I think that they've all grown up, Malone mentioned it, Jokic has mentioned it, Jamal Murray has mentioned it, and even had they not, just watching them and watching their approach these last two games, I think this is a team that has, one, realized how good they can be. Again, it's they hadn't played their best ball, basketball in the last two months. I think they've played some of their best basketball over the last seven quarters. Um, so a team that, that has realized how good they can be and remembered how to play the game the right way, um, their style of basketball. But also a team that 
just has has learned the value of, of the intensity and how hard you have to play every single minute you're on the court. Realize the value of having a backbone and not folding. And to me, this Nuggets team really has grown up a lot over the last week and a half. And it's just been, it's one of the joys of sports to see a team sort of take that next step. That's what we're witnessing with this Denver Nuggets team. Now, they got to close it out. Is the series over? By no means. Um, you have to have too much respect for Greg Popovich and for all the guys on the Spurs that to, to just count it out. But it sure looks like Denver has learned the lessons along the way to kind of carry them to close out this series. If not in game six, then in game seven. And not just that, but they've learned some lessons that I think are going to serve them the rest of the way in the playoffs should they should they advance and certainly into the future. It's a great thing. It's been fun to watch and I can't wait to see how it unfolds going forward. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. I will be back again all week with brand new episodes. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.